part of your Saturday right here. A lot of people do say this Saturday specifically, divisional round weekend is the best weekend in football. I am a wild card guy, to be honest, because I'm a little bit more of quantity than I am quality. I like the fact there are six games, so you get, what, two, three, two, or two, three, one, I should say. Nice full weekend of football. It's a little depressing that there's only two games Saturday, two games Sunday. It feels like we're missing something. But all four games, oh, boy, I'm fired up for. All four games on paper look fantastic. So it's very excited for them. Appreciate you making us a part of your Saturday as we inch closer to those four playoff games getting played. We'll circle back to the NFL playoffs here in one second. But I do want to bring up one topic now uh, in the wake of Jerry Jones making the decision to bring Mike McCarthy back as head coach of the Cowboys in 2024. Jerry Jones is now officially the worst owner in the NFL. You want to know why? Because Jerry Jones is nothing more than a tease. Fellas, there's nothing worse than a tease. You go out, go to a nice establishment, see a fine lady. You say, you know what? I'm going to go talk to her. You got more courage than me. Uh, I would be too scared. Credit to you. You go up and talk to her. Hello? Maybe you, you use a nice little crafty pickup line. How much is a polar bear weigh? Enough to break the ice. Ryan Hickey, nice to meet you. And neither she says, Oof, get out of here, loser. Get rejected. Which that is like if you, if it's not going to happen, right? And she's not going to be interested. You're not going to you're going to leave by yourself at the end of the night. Wouldn't you rather right away get rejected so you know, okay, she's not interested. I can go on to someone else. Go find you know another lady um, that's interested. Like, wouldn't you rather know right away get rejected a second in rather than have her slow play it? She's teasing you. You guys are drinking together. It's going well. Then it's, okay, time to make a move. Eh, I got a boyfriend. Eh, I'm not interested. Eh, no thank you. All that time, all that effort, all that money for not. That's what Jerry Jones is. He doesn't just have a bad team where it's like, oh, God, this team stinks. No expectations. No, no, no. He teases you. He makes sure the Cowboys are good. He makes sure they're relevant and talked about. And come playoff time, when it when it's time to go, right? The lights are coming out of the bar. Closing time. Decision time. Are we going together or separate? The tease always says, yeah, I'm going to go home by myself. Jerry Jones, playoff time, when it's time to make a move, yeah, we're going out in the first round. We're going to fall short. Jerry Jones is a tease. And the reason why he's not only a tease, but also the worst owner in the NFL is because he's in direct control of why Dallas keeps on falling short. Jerry cares more about his ego than he does about winning. He'd rather lose and have the attention be on him than win and share the spotlight. That's why Mike McCarthy's coming back. That's why the Cowboys keep on having good regular seasons, winning 12 games, but constantly get uh, get knocked out early in the playoffs. He can't put his ego to the side to do what's truly best for the team 
in order for them to win a Super Bowl. He wants the credit. And he knows keeping Mike McCarthy there is going to allow the credit to go to Jerry. If you bring in Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel, Jim Harbaugh, they're getting the credit. That, to me, is why Jerry Jones is the worst owner in the NFL. He is not doing whatever it takes to win. He is holding something back from the team and from Cowboys fans because he wants the attention on him squarely. That's why, like, that to me is the worst thing an owner can do. David Tepper right now, right, is probably, if you say, Ryan, you're an idiot. Jerry Jones not the worst owner in the NFL. It's the first thing you probably think of is David Tepper. Firing coaches left and right, swinging and missing on quarterbacks, team, throwing drinks on fans. Tepper has his own problems. Here's one thing I would never question about David Tepper, his will to win. The guy wants to win. He's not an egomaniac where I don't think he wouldn't hire the best guy for the job because that would take attention off of him. Now, he can't find the right guy and, and hiring the right, you know, his problem is he just sucks at right now hiring anyone that uh, is related to football and he can't get out of their, you know, he can't hire them and then let them do their job. He has to meddle, which is part of the reason why the Panthers right now are a mess. But I have no questions about Tepper's desire to win. With Jerry Jones, I have direct questions of Jerry's actual will to win. He can talk in the media. All I want is to win a Super Bowl. I want this so bad before I die. Yet his actions don't reflect that. Like if he actually cared about winning and was willing to do whatever it takes to get the Cowboys a Super Bowl, he would have fired Mike McCarthy right there on the spot. He would have fired him from the luxury box in the third quarter. He would have stood up, cameras on him, point down, Mike, you're fired. Get in the locker room. And I'm like Dan Quinn or whoever. Finish out the game against the Packers. If Jerry cared about winning a Super Bowl, Mike McCarthy would have been fired at halftime of that playoff embarrassment against the Packers. But why is he not fired? Why is he coming back in 2024? Because Mike McCarthy is not a threat to the spotlight that Jerry Jones receives. If somehow, by some miracle, which is not going to happen, but the Cowboys win the Super Bowl next year, Story number one is Jerry Jones. It's not, oh, wow, look at Mike McCarthy and the great coaching job he did. It's Jerry. But if he fired McCarthy and hired, let's say, Bill Belichick and the Cowboys next year win the Super Bowl, the attention right away is not on Jerry Jones. It's on Bill Belichick. Redemption. See, he can win without Brady. Probably would get the wins record and beat Don Shula. So beat Don Shula and win a Super Bowl in the same year. Him and Brady tied with Super Bowls. Oh, my God. Bill is back. We were wrong. He's a great coach. Jim Harbaugh. Oh, my God. Jim Harbaugh just won a national title last year. A Super Bowl this year. This guy's the best coach ever. Mike Vrabel. Oh, my God. Look at that. Mike goes to, to Dallas and resurrects a, a, a Cowboys team that for 30 years couldn't get over the hump. Pete Carroll, look at Pete. Seahawks didn't want him, and he is a great coach. Any like any real coach Jerry would hire to truly put them over the hump 
they would get the attention. First and foremost, Jerry would be an afterthought. He knows that. He doesn't want that. That's why uh, Jason Garrett was allowed to coach like five years too long because Jason Garrett was not a threat to the spotlight, and neither is Mike McCarthy. That's why Double M, Mike McCarthy, is back in 2024. Not because he's the best man for the job. No one in their right mind thinks that. I don't think Jerry deep down thinks that. Hell, I don't think Mike McCarthy even deep down thinks he's the best man for the job. Listen to him. He was asked at his press conference this week, basically trying to to justify him coming back. He was asked, Mike, why should the fan base believe you're the right man for the job? Listen to McCarthy's answer. Mike, why are you the right man for the job? Buy into us. Yeah, just just buy into us. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, we'll trust you, Mike. We'll trust you that your Cowboys team, that every time the postseason's come around, has has played poorly. Yeah, we'll, we'll trust you. You're the right man for the job. Buy into us. That's an embarrassment. That's a man who doesn't even himself believe he's the right guy for the job. There is no way Jerry deep down actually thinks this is the coach that's going to get him to the Super Bowl. But Jerry for damn sure knows this is a coach that's not going to steal my shine. That's going to allow me to be the story. That's going to allow me to do my post-game press conference, my daily radio hits, and be the center of attention. Do you think Bill Belichick is going to go to Dallas and let Jerry control the roster? And do a post-game press conference? Or do a radio show weekly? Really, daily? Is Jim Harbaugh going to go from Michigan to Dallas just to allow Jerry Jones to call the shots? No. Any right coach, or any coach, I should say, in the right mind that's worth his salt, that's actually good, a good coach, looks at Dallas and laughs. Why would you sign up for that clown show? Why would you sign up for that circus? Yeah, the roster's talented, but it's never good enough to be over the top. Dak Prescott is not a quarterback that's going to win you a Super Bowl. Your owner's out there talking about the Super Bowl. Your owner's saying anything under the sun he possibly could say. Always, never, always... In one breath, oh, I love Mike. Why would I ever get rid of him? And the other breath, well, is Mike secure in 2024? Well, we'll see how, you know, the playoffs go. Always saying something that, that puts the team or the coach on the uh, under the spotlight. Always serving as some sort of distraction. That's why Jerry Jones is the worst owner in the NFL. Because he's selfish. And not selfish in a way of, oh, I want to save money or oh, blah, blah, blah. He's selfish because he knows he can clearly upgrade this team and get them closer to a Super Bowl by putting his ego aside and hiring the right head coach to get the most out of this roster. Look, I'm not a Dak apologist. I, I've been out on Dak for a while. I've been out on this Cowboys team for a while in large part because of Dak because he's not a very good postseason quarterback. 
but also part of the reason why the Cowboys have always underachieved in the playoffs compared to the talent they have is because they've been outcoached in 95% of playoff games they've been in the last 30 years. If we just keep it to the last decade with Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy, what maybe outside of last year with Todd Bowles on the sideline with an 8-9 and nine roster um, in that playoff game that Dallas won, what playoff game do you, you go into and say, oh, yeah, the Cowboys have the coaching advantage? Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy? That's never been the case. The Cowboys have always in the postseason been deficient in terms of having a, a coaching advantage. And in, in that realm, a quarterback advantage. Yet Jerry's done nothing to change it because bringing in a star quarterback, bringing in a star head coach would mean less shine for Jerry. And Jerry is in the business of Jerry. He's got to be the star. He's got to lead the Cowboys to the Super Bowl by himself. That's why Mike McCarthy is back because McCarthy doesn't take away shine from him. And that's why I think Jerry's the worst owner in the NFL. Because he is purposefully not making the Cowboys as good as they could possibly be to win a Super Bowl. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Do you think Jerry Jones is the worst owner in the NFL? Do you think Jerry's putting his ego above winning? 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. When we return, I do want to highlight some job openings because we do have still a lot with a lot of big name coaches out there. There is one job that Harbaugh, Belichick, Vrabel, Pete Carroll, all the big time you know names on the coaching circuit. They all should be chasing one job. Welcome back in. Hick at night with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Hopefully you're having a fun Friday night. If you are, thank you for making us a part of it right here. If you are wasted, please don't be driving. Definitely don't do that. Definitely do not do that. That's not fun for any for you or for anyone else. But otherwise, hopefully it's been a, a fun, chill Friday night. Um, and thank you again for joining us right here on CBS Sports Radio. The last, if you haven't heard, the last hick at night in this time slot. We're not going anywhere, at least in terms of networks, just changing days. Starting next week, hick at night will be coming your way Sunday evenings, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. I hope that works for a lot of your schedules. Um, I apologize if it does not, but not to fret. Still plenty of ways to keep up with the show, even if that is maybe not your normal drive time, listening time, etc. Check out the Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E. Every hour of every show will be, uh, will be uploaded there. And check out the YouTube page, Ryan Hickey is the channel. A lot of video content uploaded there. So still plenty of ways digitally, social media-wise, to stay up to date with the show if, unfortunately, the new schedule change going from Saturday mornings to Sunday evenings right here on CBS Sports Radio does not work in your favor. Still plenty of ways to stay connected with the show. All right, before we get your thoughts here on the worst owner in the NFL, and we'll still bounce around the NFL playoffs, 
as well as we get set for the divisional round, I do want to hit on the head coach openings in the NFL for a quick second. I think the Falcons is the most desirable job on the market. And every single coach should be chasing that opening first. Vrabel, Belichick, Harbaugh, Pete Carroll. If you want to coach next year, the Falcons should be first on your list. Here is why it's more attractive than probably if you say, if you disagree, your number one answer would probably be the Chargers, right? Because Justin Herbert, here's why I think the Falcons are more attractive than the Chargers. I think we saw this year specifically. It's easier to win when you have a good team and no quarterback versus having a great quarterback and no team. Like you look at three teams, for example, Colts, Browns, Bengals, all lost their quarterbacks at different parts of the year, but all lost them for a majority of the season yet still finish above 500. Why? Because even though they were playing with backup quarterbacks, the team around them was good. Defense made plays, running game they can lean on, receivers were solid. So you put Gardner Minshew, you put Jake Browning. I mean, the, the Browns played five different quarterbacks this year. Five different guys started a game for them, and they still won 11 games and still made the playoffs. Because the team around the quarterback was good. Now, you look at before Herbert got hurt, right? The, the Chargers are still a bad team. Yes, Brandon Steele has something to do with that. But also, Austin Eckler had the worst year of his career. The receivers were banged up and also older. Defense was terrible. Like, you had Justin Herbert, but everything around Herbert was not very good. And that's why the Chargers were a complete disaster this year. So I think it's a lot easier to have a good team and plug in a quarterback than it is to have a really good quarterback but no team. And so you look at the Falcons, yeah, they have no quarterback right now. But you do have Drake London, Kyle Pitts, B. John Robinson. You have also options to get a quarterback, whether it's pick number eight in the draft. I mean, maybe that's Michael Penix Jr. Maybe that's Jaden Daniels. You could trade for Justin Fields. Like, there are options that you have out there where you could plug in either a rookie quarterback or a guy in Fields who's been up and down and finished strong, but maybe not the guy in Chicago, where he could play well because the team around him is good. To me, I look at the Falcons with the offensive talent, especially they have, really just needing a quarterback, being in, I think, the easiest division in the NFL with the Panthers the Buccaneers and the Saints, you can compete right away in that division and win the division next year. You look at the big-time coaches out there. Harbaugh, Vrabel, Carroll. The job I would want if I was them, first and foremost, the Atlanta Falcons, not the Chargers. Why well, I lied. I said we have seven openings. Uh, I take that back. We're down to six now. Friday was announced... The Raiders are promoting Antonio Pierce from interim head coach to now full-time head coach. I look at that, eh, B, B minus higher, has nothing to do with what Antonio Pierce did as an interim coach going 5-4 and and really galvanizing what was a locker room that despised Josh McDaniels. But here's why it's not a home run higher for me or I'm going, you know, over the moon and going crazy for for the Raiders hiring Pierce. It's because Antonio Pierce is going to succeed or fail, not based on him, based on his offensive coordinator. It's simple as that. 
But when you aren't an offensive-minded head coach, so much of your success is predicated on who you hire as the offensive coordinator to, especially in the Raiders' case, most likely develop a quarterback. I don't think they're going to go uh, go into next year with Jimmy G as their number one option. I don't know if they, they draft with someone. Maybe, again, you go in the Justin Fields um, trade sweepstakes. You're going to most likely need to develop a young quarterback. And if Pierce swings and misses on his offensive coordinator hire, you're screwed. Look at Nick Sirianni. A-plus hires in Jonathan Gannon and Shane Sykin three years ago. Go to the Super Bowl last year. Both get head coaching jobs. Swing and miss on offensive coordinator. Swing and miss on defensive coordinator. Now look at him. He's on the hot seat. Just like that. Overnight. Because both those coordinator hires blew up in his face. So if you're Antonio Pierce, and if you're the Raiders, that's where his success or failure is going to come down to. Who does he hire to run the defense? Who does he hire to run and develop the offense? Pierce can motivate, absolutely. But those motivational tactics and words, they start to ring hollow if the team stinks, if the coaches you hire are not very good. So, yes, Pierce did a good job. Again, he excited that fan base. He excited that team. He got players to care again. But now looking ahead and and moving forward here, his success is going to be who do you hire to run the offense? Who do you trust to develop, which most likely will be a young quarterback? That's why I look at Pierce and, okay, just that news that we got Friday of he's now the full-time head coach. I'm going to reserve judgment until I see who his staff is because that's what his success or failure is going to be based upon. Who does he hire? Especially offensively, who can you hire to develop a quarterback? Simple as that. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. A lot to discuss here. Worst owner in the NFL. I think it's Jerry Jones. If you disagree, who do you think right now is the worst owner in the NFL coming off the news of the Cowboys bring in Mike McCarthy back in 2024. We got a lot of playoff talk as well to dive into. Bristol is calling from Dallas. Hello, Bristol. How you doing, man? What's going on, man? Man, I want to touch on a point that you kind of make about Jerry Jones. I'm a Cowboys fan. Well, the a, a, a NFL football fan first, but a Cowboys fan as well. But I don't, I don't get your point about Jerry Jones being the worst owner in the NFL based on your points you're making. You said because he brought in Bill Parcells that didn't work. So if Bill Parcells would have won a Super Bowl, you think that the pair would have went to Bill Parcells or Jerry Jones for hiring him. Just like if he would have hired Bill Belichick or Harbaugh or whoever else you said, he still would get the credit either way it goes. So what does that, that point doesn't make sense. You don't think that the spotlight, if Bill Belichick or Jim Harbaugh are hired by the Dallas Cowboys and win the Super Bowl next year, you don't think the first thing we're talking about is Belichick or Harbaugh? The first thing, you may talk about that, but the second, the third, the fourth, and the fifth thing you talk about would be Jerry Jones, either way it goes. We don't care about that type of stuff, in my opinion, as a Cowboys fan for over 20 years. We don't care about that type of stuff, in my opinion. Why do you fire then Jimmy Johnson? That was ego. That was an ego trip on his part. Now he probably have learned from that situation. That's why he in the ring of honor now. But I'm just saying your points don't make sense because either way it goes, if he hired them guys, he get the credit. He get the credit either way it goes. 
But Mike McCarthy is not like the, the the attention is only on Mike McCarthy when this team loses. And that's why if you're Jerry Jones, like, uh, so you tell me then, Bristol. You tell me then. Why is Jerry? Uh, why is Mike McCarthy back in 2024? Well, it's, it's a number of different reasons. Number one is because he, he don't want to have to pay this man, and he, he's not on the staff anymore. He only have one more year on this contract. We have a 12 and 5 team, three years in a row. Where, give the man a shot, another shot for this last little, uh, for this last year of his contract. You have to almost. Why? Yeah. Why does Jerry care about money? What coaching well, contracts I, I'm not? not... Care about money, and I'm just saying he, you said you had to pay him if you fire him. Well, you, you, that's, that's a good point. But I'm saying, like, he has one more year on this contract, regardless of the money that's there involved in that. He, he has one more year on this contract. Let him play the contract out, and then you can find you a better coach if, if it don't work out. I, I think Mike McCarthy should be back as well. I also I, I don't – but then you're preaching, I guess, patience. I mean, well, I don't want to go down here and appreciate the call, Bristol, but not to be morbid, but, I mean, can Jerry Jones really afford to be patient? If he wants to see a Super Bowl one more in his lifetime, can we really be preaching patience with an 82-year-old man who eats a egg McMuffin with, with extra salt for breakfast every single morning? I don't think so. Urgency is now. You got to, again, I. if you want to win the Super Bowl, part of that is having a good head coach in the playoffs. I don't care you go 12-5 and five in the regular season every single year. You look at how this team has played in the playoffs. In 2021, in 2022, in 2023, it's all been the same. They've all underachieved. All the same tenants have kind of reared their ugly head multiple times. Why would you think next year is going to be any different? It's a definition of insanity. I would have made a move. To me, Jerry not making a move is more ego and keeping the spotlight on him versus hiring the right man for the job to get Dallas over the top, but in doing so, taking attention off of Jerry and putting it on the big-time head coach he would hire. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break here. When we return, I do want to make one college football point before I circle back to the NFL playoffs for the rest of the show, and that is Kalen DeBoer. I tried to warn you, Alabama fans. Some of you didn't listen. Is it time to panic already with all the transfers leaving Alabama? Is it time to panic and think that Alabama made the wrong hire in hiring Kalen DeBoer? To those of you who listen to this show that root for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Last week, I tried to warn you. Some of you didn't want to listen. Some of you thought it was going to be easy. It was going to be automatic. And even though Nick Saban's not there, the Alabama train is going to continue to roll. Chew, chew. A week later, do you realize? A week later, can you finally see what reality looks like? Do you finally appreciate Nick Saban now? Because this past week, coaches leaving, players leaving. You know what that is? That's 99% of college football. 
I hope you just realized in this last week how good you had it, how spoiled you were the last 15 years with the dominance that Nick Saban gave you on a year-in, year-out basis. That is not normal for college football. That level and longevity of dominance is not normal in sports. And so I hope you realize how difficult life is going to be without Nick Saban. And that is going to be true no matter who you hire as head coach. There is no reason right now to panic about Kalen DeBoer, despite the fact that I'm in a way trying to, I don't want to say take a victory lap, but just try to remind you when I was taking calls last week of the dynasties going on. Bama's not going to miss a beat. Kalen DeBoer better win, you know, three titles in five years or he's out of there. He wins one title in 10 years. It's a massive success. Because the life you are living is not a normal sports life. Now you're seeing with the transfer portal, all these big-time players, Caleb Downs, Julian Sayan, all leaving the program. That's reality. It's not going to be easy. Now, again, with that said, there is no reason to panic about Kalen DeBoer. No matter who replaced Saban, this was going to happen. Because if you are a commit, and whether you played under Saban or now you're an incoming freshman and you committed to playing for Nick Saban, guess what? You're going to leave because Nick Saban 2.0 does not exist. There was no one coming in there that would have been exactly like the guy you committed to playing for. Here's why, though, you should not panic if you're an Alabama fan. This scenario is where DeBoer flourishes. He is someone who, when he got to Washington two years ago, that program was in shambles. He built it from the ground up immediately. Won 11 games in year number one. And that roster he had at Washington, he had to really rebuild versus the one he's taking over now at Alabama. Even with a lot of players exiting the program, entering the transfer portal, this is still a much more talented team he has now than what he had in year number one at Washington. And DeBoer is an A-plus developer. He developed Michael Penix Jr. He developed a lot of players on that roster where they were not highly coveted, highly recruited. Look at the two recruiting classes DeBoer had with the Huskies. 95th in 2022. Now, he came in there late, so it's a little bit unfair to say that. But either way, 95th was their recruiting ranking in 2022, 26th in 2023. He won a lot of games he took Washington to the national title with not the best roster in college football. Not anywhere close. He executed the transfer portal perfectly and won a lot of games with unheralded players. That just speaks to the development that DeBoer can do, which is massive as talented players leave Tuscaloosa. Don't panic. He can win more with less. And once he gets a full season with the Tide, recruiting will kick up. That's a promise. And also, too, the, the spring transfer portal. A lot of players are leaving. He'll get a lot of players coming in. No reason to panic. Kalen DeBoer, I mean, coincidence or not, timing-wise, I don't think so. I think he's here to already kind of put some fires out, which I think is already a good sign for Alabama fans that he realizes 
how quickly he's got to go, uh, get going here in the right direction. He was on DeBoer, that is, on the Paul Feinbaum show Friday, already kind of speaking to the fan base saying, hey, don't worry, I got this under control. Stay the course. Realities hit you, and I hope now you appreciate how good of a coach Nick Saban was when you see already what life is like without Saban. With that said, though, no reason to panic. DeBoer is going to be fine. Chris is calling from Maryland with some thoughts on some college football. Hello, Chris. Hey, man. I was just laughing when the guy said wrong pitch. Oh, you like that? That was funny, but you know that that didn't. Do you know if you beat the callers overall this year than the than the um yourself? So we are going to do Hickey's Pickies in about forty minutes or so from now, five twenty Eastern. I right now, Chris, am dead even. Thirty-seven, thirty-seven, and two. Okay. Well, anyway, I I like you a lot. I like you. You got me on college football, and I'll never forget the Texas Alabama. I thought you were crazy, but I I. Not that you convinced me, but I was kind of looking at Texas to make some noise this year, and I said, there it is. If they do it, then I was right. And you were talking, and I said, he, I hope he's right. And you were right. That was the best one you did. Hey, and you put your picks out there, so don't give yourself a hard time. There's no way the boss told you that you got to do something and get something different. That's a bit, right? Now the bosses were very upset. The, the, you, bosses, yeah, that's, well, cause the bosses were very upset, Chris. The, the picks... And especially the games I was most confident in. Oh, uh, my. Uh, well, there's guys on your station that pick way. Anyway, Rod, you do a good job. I'll miss you on Friday nights. I'll look for you on Sunday nights. Hey, you'll be following Jody Mack. Apparently, he's doing good on his picks. But that's here nor there. I did have a question about college. Not necessarily entirely football, but we could use it for football. But the NIL, you know, sometimes the money – not the NIL money, but when you go to draft, draft whatever, baseball, basketball, football, um, that the money sometimes when they get to the pros changes them. But now that they're getting some of it in college, won't shouldn't that be one thing to eliminate from their? Uh, I don't know when you're doing their background checks to see if it might. Right. Be. So no, I was wondering a, about that. And um, yeah, that's a good point, Chris, because that's something that we, it's not talked about a lot. And, and appreciate the call, buddy. Appreciate okay, the kind thank words. You. Good luck. Thank you. Appreciate the kind words as always. Um, yeah, that's one where, like, it's a learning lesson, right? College is about learning and becoming a man or a woman, right? That's part of it. Now you get money. How do you do? You blow it all? Do you save it? Do you invest? It's just another lesson that makes should you know makes athletes now more mature once they get to the pros and once they're getting legitimate money, millions and millions of dollars, not just a million dollars. Uh, I'm with you. I think it's good in the sense that can already teach them how to manage it. All right, 855-212-4227. A lot of playoff talk the rest of the show. We got four great divisional round games. Let's go. Let's go. Ken is calling from Michigan. What up, Ken? Hey, Ryan. How are we tonight? Ken, I don't believe we talked last week. So I'm going to say we did did not. I'm going to say one time and one time only. Congratulations to you on your Michigan Wolverines. Thank you. I appreciate that, my friend. But, that was uh, hard to say. The, I, as, a Penn State fan, <laughs> I get, as a Penn State fan, I get that. But we had a dominating defense. We out alabama Alabama. Uh, You're right. Nick State, you know, the thing is, Ryan, with the way college football is now, the transfer portal and the constant wondering if you're going to keep this commit or that commit, 
it is no longer a uh, nine or ten month season. It's a twelve month season, uh, almost seven days a week, eight ten hours a day. So, if I was Nick at his age, uh, we beat Alabama, we beat their ass. But you know what? In saying that, Nick Saban is the greatest college quarterback or coach that has ever lived. He has done so much with defensive and offensive coordinator changes. When he wins the title, next thing you know, his coordinators are gone getting head coaching jobs. What's he do the next year? Comes right back and kicks people's ass again. He's he's the best coach ever. But uh, I got to say something. Uh, the first two weeks of January this year are the greatest in the state of Michigan as far as football with our Wolverines getting the national title. And the Detroit Lions actually won a playoff game. And then the seven days later, hosting another they haven't done that in 60. It took them 65 years to get two playoff games at, at home. Now they got the host of two right in a row. And God God be willing, Ryan, Green Bay beat San Fran. And we Three beat Tampa Bay. We, we're going to be hosting the Green Bay for the NFC Championship. The road potentially can, could go through Detroit. Now, I think half of that prediction is going to be correct. I think your Lions are beating the Buccaneers. It's going to be a close game, though. I think Baker's going to have a, a way with your secondary, but I do think the Lions are balanced enough where they're going to win that game. I don't, though, think the Packers are going to upset the 49ers. I think the 49ers right now are I, a machine. So I think you'll be out west next week for the I, NFC title game. Yes, I'm, I'm thinking that's kind of a pipe dream, too. So, oh, it, it, let me tell you this. You were so spot on at the start of your uh, – when I started listening tonight, uh, Jerry Jones – is a attention whore. He uh, every time Dallas scores a touchdown, instantly you see a camera on his booth where he's sitting with him and his minions. Right? Oh, every time, Ken. It's somehow it, he's the only person. And I appreciate the call, buddy. He's the only person who is on camera as a non-player or coach more than Taylor Swift. Now you, you and we had a caller before that was very upset with with the attention Taylor Swift was getting and was, and was rooting for the Bills to win to send Taylor home. Taylor gets a lot of FaceTime, not nearly as much as Jerry Jones gets. And so I'm with you, Ken. That's part of the reason why I think Jerry Jones is the worst owner in the NFL. He's making it about him and purposely not hiring the right guy as head coach because it would take attention away from Jerry. When we return, which team has the most pressure on them to win in the divisional round? I'll give you my answer next. It's Ryan Hickey, CBS Sports Radio.